Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, a songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is where I discuss music, movies, books, pop culture, theology, and more with friends, colleagues, and sometimes just by myself. Now make sure to let me know what you think of today's episode by leaving me a review on iTunes or by tweeting at me at Rick Lee James on Twitter. And please join my mailing list at rickleejames.com where you can receive an email every time a new episode is released. And by the way, in case you're interested in a daily dose of kindness and encouragement beyond this podcast, I also run the Twitter account at MrRogersSay where I post daily quotes from Fred Rogers, one of the voices in my head. Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Hey friends, Rick Lee James here. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I'm so glad to be with you again. I've been on a bit of a hiatus because I have been spending my summer in a very busy way working as an intern, as a chaplain at Kettering Health in Kettering, Ohio. And uh, this is actually tying into today's episode. Uh, It's actually a friend of mine's show that I asked if I could release on my feed as well. Uh, His name is Chris Marchand, and he has a wonderful show called Post-Consumer Reports, and he too has been a chaplain in the past. So we talk about some of my work as a chaplain and my new song, As I Walk These Halls, which is about the work of chaplaincy. So I hope that you'll enjoy today's show. I hope that you'll also subscribe to his feed, uh, to his podcast, Post-Consumer Reports. Uh, It's always an honor to get to share with him. He's a great podcast host, a great author, and he's been on this show before. So I hope that you'll check out more about him. Uh, Please subscribe to his show. This will give you a taste of of what his programs are like. And uh, he's really a great guy. And I so appreciate the opportunity to be able to share not only about my new song on his show, uh, but also about my work in the chaplaincy. And I hope it will be enlightening to you if you've ever wondered, what do chaplains do? And so that's today's episode of Voices in My Head is actually an episode of his show, Post-Consumer Reports. Uh, Just to let you know, though, my plan is to come back and be doing regular podcasts. I'm recording several interviews this coming week, and hopefully we'll get back on track here doing a weekly podcast. So I guess that's it for now. Enjoy the episode. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head, and thank you for listening to my friend Chris's show, Post-Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports, the podcast. My name is Chris Marchand. Welcome to you. This is uh, my podcast, Post Consumer Reports. This is episode number 92 with an interview, or really, really, it's more of a, a long conversation with a former guest, Rick Lee James. Rick Lee James is a musician, a church music leader, worship leader, also a chaplain in training. And, 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 and you might be thinking, a chaplain in training, why would I even bring that up? I mean, is, is, that, is that relevant? Well, it just so happens that today's conversation is surrounding his new song, 
called As I Walk These Halls. And it's, 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 a, it's a work, it's a piece, it's a song that he composed as he found inspiration, as his heart was drawn to the training that he is currently in as a chaplain. And he, he contacted me a, a few weeks ago and said, hey, would you be interested in, in doing an interview as I'm releasing this song out into the world? And here's what I really like about this episode is that it's a companion piece. It's, it's, it's an unfolding, you know, it's turning his song inside out, explaining it in a way that uh, the, the four minute song can't quite do. And this is this is this is maybe point number one of my little opening monologue here, is that art itself speaks to us in ways that we can't quite explain. So like like Rick's song, like the music itself, speaks to us in ways that we can go on and on forever about it. And you don't need to listen to my interview today. That's the beauty of it. Just listen to his new song, As I Walk These Halls. Uh, check the links out at rickleyjames.com, at Rickley James, uh, his Bandcamp page. And he also has a link that I'll put up on the Post Consumer Reports website where different ways that you can stream and preview the song. It'll By the time you listen to this, it will be out into the world. But that's the beauty of art is you don't need to listen to this interview. You just listen to the song itself. And yet at the same time, it's wonderful to have these long, drawn-out conversations about art. We, we unpack the art uh, in numerous ways over the next hour. So, hope you enjoy it and go check out the new song. Uh, here's point number two. Here's what's funny about Rick Lee James, uh, is that I, I've never met him in person. And there are several people now over the years that are like this, where I develop these you know, these friendships, these acquaintances online, and you get to know people and you follow them and you, you hear their voice, you hear the, the things they stand up for, the things that they're passionate about, the things that make them laugh. And Rick Lee James is one of those people. Uh, I've developed this online relationship with him, a friendship, and I just appreciate his presence. I appreciate uh, his footprint in the world and uh, the influence that he has on others. He has a He has a Mr. Rogers podcast and a Mr. Rogers Twitter account, and he also has his own podcast, Voices in My Head, that I've been a guest on twice. So he's been gracious enough to have me on his podcast, and he's been on my podcast, as well as uh, uh, the Rich Mullins podcast between the songs that I do. I, I have uh, several friends like this. Uh, one of them is including Joe Cook, who I do my other podcasts with. But I don't know, everybody. What do you think? We're, we're entering into an age where social media it's it's working less and less for people. Like I'm finding that I can't get traction with sharing things on social media anymore. I don't know quite how to make it work. I think people are overwhelmed and anxious. They're sick of social media. They're distrustful of what it's done to them. They're tired of the, the animosity and the divisions and the debates that come up that are not healthy. And so it's funny, I, I have these relationships where I have real relationships with people I've never actually been in the same room with. And it's because of social media. And yet it's like I'm looking at it like we're at the end of the usage of it. It's going to morph into something else. We'll figure things out. But uh, I don't know. I don't know, know quite what to do with that. But I'm grateful for the relationships that I have. Right, that's point number two. Point number three is this. 
As you're listening to my conversation with Rick today, here, here's here's what I think is really fascinating about this, is it's a guy, it's a person who's in the middle of change and transition. He is not where he once was. Uh, he has entered into training as a hospital chaplain. He used to just be a worship pastor and an artist and uh, you know some a, a minister, a teacher. Now he has is considering a new field, becoming a chaplain. And and by the way, I I think I've said this before, but I was a chaplain in training, and as a resident in a hospital setting for a year, and I was in the I was in the same boat that he is in and will continue to be in. And I decided not to do it. It was not for me, <laughs> for various reasons that I'll we'll get into it during the interview. Rick, though, is right in the middle of it. So he, so what I love about today's conversation is it's about somebody who is not where he once was, and he's not quite to where he's going to be yet. He's, he's in this great, you know, year-long transition of his life of discernment, of new experiences, of, of being challenged in the midst of training. And then last point, last point that relates to all this is he's an artist. And so that's what our what our conversation is about today. This understanding of like the fact that I, I, I'm actually curious about this. Even my last interview with Joel Hang Hartsey is about what, what, what do we artists do when we have our other careers and we have our other pursuits. And so this interview, this conversation is about this convergence of our artistic pursuits with these other things that we end up doing. Most of us can't just sit at home and make our art every day. We have to do something else. Myself, I have been a pastor and I'm currently doing a lot of teaching. I teach for an online academy. Scully Academy, sign your kids up. Uh, I still have openings if you want your kids to learn some uh, uh, Middle Ages and Renaissance history and uh, and literature, along with American literature and, and history. So that's what I do. That's going to be my day job. I, I don't podcast all day. I don't write all day. Well, anyway, hope you enjoyed this conversation with Rick Lee James about his new song, As I Walk These Halls. Check the song out, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. So yeah, I spent a year in a residency, uh, you know, a CPE residency, and yeah, did the whole thing. You know, it was it was, it was a full time job in that sense. And so what I'm curious about is what you've been doing. Like, what does it look like for you right now? And then I know you're going you're going to jump into the residency. So maybe the first question is, yeah. is explain what what you've been doing the past few months here or the past year. All right. Sure. Well, should I should I start by explaining to anybody listening what CPE is? In case yeah, yeah, that's right. And this, <laughs> you know what? That's funny. That's yeah. funny because I've gotten into this conversation uh, about like how there's just too many acronyms in the world in general, and so yeah. like everybody's in their own field, 
and they're like they're all using these different acronyms and we're like what are you talking about so yeah. yes yes do it explain it <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, and and I've I've understood too that you know if if you don't clarify it, like people think it's like a certified public account executive or something, you know, like different That's things right. on there. That's so, right. so so first of all, as I as I talk about my experience, CPE means clinical pastoral education, as you know, because you've done it, um, and I'm doing it um, through Kettering Health, which is. Uh, a pretty large network of hospitals and and places that care for people so in essence what I'm doing it's we could probably just call it chaplaincy training um, in many ways but it goes much deeper than what you would think like in a training because it actually requires in order to do it correctly I think uh, you really have to dive deep into yourself and come to know yourself uh, a lot more deeply than you did before um, and I, I've always thought I was, you know, uh, spiritually a, a pretty, um, at least someone who tries to be pretty in tune. And yet what I have discovered is there are places in me I didn't know were hiding, you know. <laughs> and there are places that I've uh, found just over this summer uh, that God has been doing some sometimes painful uh, but always beneficial works inside of me that they're still ongoing um, so just to sum up what I've been doing this summer I'm in a what's called a CPE intensive a clinical pastoral education intensive so uh, it's me and nine other chaplains who we are uh, at Kettering Health and it's a 10-week program this summer and the reason it is an intensive is because it is pretty much every day of the week and there's not a lot of downtime. Um, there's even time where, you know, because I'm a music pastor at my church, uh, there's times when I have to stay overnight at the hospital, sometimes 24, 48 hours, things like that. So I have to, you know, find ways for somebody to fill in for me at church while I'm doing that. Um, but we're getting familiar not only with working in a hospital as a chaplain, but we're also uh, in the classroom a couple days a week for, you know, roughly eight hours per class, something like that. So there's a lot of reading, there's a lot of writing, um, there's a lot of soul searching and being pushed uh, to to go deeper. And uh, it's it has been exhausting and wonderful at the, at the same time. So what that's leading into then is uh, a residency, which will start actually at the end of August. I, I graduate from my first unit of CPE at the beginning of August, August 12th. And then at the end of August, I start a year-long residency where I'll be full-time, about 40 hours a week, uh, working as a resident at the hospital. So I just found out this week that I was accepted into uh, the residency program. So that's kind of, uh, I guess, in a nutshell, what I'm doing. And, and we can explore a little bit more about that and, and yeah. what it entails if you want. But that's kind of, for people listening, that might be a little bit of an overview to kind of help understand. Yeah, so... I did a year long residency, but in the, in our summer, we had a, we had like you, we had a group. It was like only four students that came in. They did their mm. summer intensive. So kind of that same thing. Yeah. And so, so I kind of understand there's different ways of doing CPE. Some people break it up over many years. They get some credits, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, many pastors, they only become a chaplain, like maybe as a, as an extra thing, or they, they there's different hybrid models to it. Some people, they mm -hmm. end up 
they end up, it becomes the thing, right? It becomes your career. You, yeah. you get certified, all that kind of thing. I know you're at the, you're kind of in the midst of it, but what are you, what are you thinking right now? I mean, you're, you're a church musician, you're an artist. Uh, I, I don't think I need to remind you that you're an artist, right? You know, it's like, you're, yeah. you're, you're sitting here <laughs> releasing a new song. Uh, yeah. Where do you think you're at in like discerning what you do? Well, that's an excellent question. And maybe I should start with kind of how this all began for yeah, me. Go Would for that it. be a go good place it. to start? And then just Actually, you know go. what? You know what? Mm -hmm. Start where you began, but I have one burning question. Yeah, Talk yeah, to please. me about the 24-hour thing because I don't get it. Because I never had to okay. do a whole 24-hour shift. When you said that, like, I've been following your tweets. And I'm like, <laughs> are they torturing you? What is, what's going on? Because I had to do overnights, which were bad enough. But yeah. this sounds intense, man. So, yeah. so just give me the details of that because I'm so curious. And then go sure. into how it all started. Sure. Yeah, well, what we do, it's it's basically a 24-hour on call, but we have to be at the hospital for it. So about, you know, most of the day in the daytime, you're still kind of doing the duties of a chaplain, walking room to room, um, seeing people that needed to be seen. Um, and then you're there overnight as well. So we have like a sleep room we can go to, uh, which you may or may not have a chance to, to use depending on if your pager is going off like crazy. Um, now last night was, was a 15 hour on call for me, which I'm, I'm sure you did plenty of those. Um, but yeah, last night was, it was, tremendously taxing like it was one of those things where I thought the evening was going to start one way and it's like oh maybe I'll actually get some rest tonight and then about 4 30 in the morning the pager just you know so by the time between 4 30 and when I came home uh you know two two deaths and sitting with families and you know just being there with them in the midst of their grief and um one was a very surprising death one was one that had been taking a while to get there you know and so there's there's two different kind of scenarios happening and going on um so the 24 hour one and i almost did a 48 hour one but but i changed that thankfully <laughs> but it's just basically you're on call for that entire time and and i'm responsible when i'm on call for i think four different hospitals um so if somebody needs something you're you're it you know so you kind of have to oh. to be ready to go whenever uh it's there so okay, you have so, to respond to each call within 20 minutes and i live almost an hour away so i have no other choice but to be like at the hospital so i don't like this i don't <laughs> when i think when i think about the setup i go oh it's too much now do you have a section of that time where you where you are truly you're rounding the halls and then another mm -hmm. section where you can theoretically get sleep but it just depends on what the when the call comes in uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think every, every I'm still kind of learning what to do and what not to do <laughs> in those time frames. For me, like I spent last Saturday, I spent about 15 hours without a break when I, you know, I got there at 830 in the morning. And uh, I, I started by just doing s some rounds initially, but then mm -hmm. it turned into, oh my, there's, there's a family member who uh, you know, is, is, looks like they are actively dying right now. So I need to go be with this family or I get a call from another floor. Um, and so that weekend it was two families in the same ICU unit. And I was kind of back and forth for hours on end. It felt like, um, checking on one family, going back to the other. And then really it's just a ministry of presence. So you're, you're sitting with people and yeah. really doing more listening than anything, because we want to help people 
get in contact with their spirituality, which we, we really should talk about that too, like the difference between religion yeah. and spirituality, uh, which will be a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, theoretically, there you know there's certain hours like after eight, it's supposed to be kind of more quiet, so you can kind of maybe escape up to your room and and uh, the sleep room, and and as long as you're not getting pages, <laughs> you can have a little time to yourself. But it doesn't always work out that way. So no, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, and I, I I didn't think our hospital, uh, you know, a minor complaint. It wasn't a great sleep room. I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't that cushy. It was it was a lot of clanging, yeah. and it was hot all the time. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, thankfully, you know? ours ours has just been remodeled. Like in the midst of our my doing my CPE, it's been being remodeled actually, and nice. it's gone from being just kind of a almost rustic sleep room where they were. Uh, you know, still like literally painting the walls and putting carpet on the floor and things like that. Um, but uh, we we have some wonderful people who have really we're we're starting to call it the uh, the Grandview Hyatt now because I work at uh, Grandview Hospital and or, or it used go. to be called Grandview. It's on Grand Avenue, but um, it's actually I mean it's not like a hotel or something, but they've they've done their, a lot to kind of make it comfortable for us and give us a little bit of an escape area for sure. So that yeah, helps. well that's but, nice. Yeah, so so go into it. Go into the you know how this started for you. Yeah, well, and maybe I can kind of tell the journey. I'll try to tell it as succinctly as possible and lead into where this new song comes from because I am still doing an artist. So, um, so if if any of your listeners have heard me before, and, and maybe they have, maybe they haven't. If they've listened to some of the past episodes, but uh, I've been recording music for some time now and uh, and traveling, doing concerts and things. And last summer, uh, 2021, I opened up an email, and in that email, I don't know why I was subscribed to it, or if it was spam, or what it was, but in this email, there was something about jobs available, and it said chaplaincy, chaplains being looked for. I still don't know how I got on the list. I don't know what it was from. I think I deleted the email and was like, huh, oh well, uh, spam, you know. <laughs> but for some reason, that word chaplaincy, which I had never even pondered before, it would not leave my brain. And I was like laying awake at night and I just kept thinking chaplaincy, chaplaincy, chaplaincy. Why am I thinking chaplaincy? This is weird. And, and I thought, like medical chaplaincy was all my mind went to. I've got plenty of friends who are military chaplains. I even have some friends who are corporate chaplains. But for my mind, it was medical. I, I didn't know why or quite understand. So I started talking to my wife as I would pray. And I'd say, I don't know why, but I think I'm supposed to look into chaplaincy for some reason. I, I don't know why. I don't even know what that entails. But I I feel like in order to be obedient I ought to at least look into what it is so I called my friend David Dalt uh, who teaches at Loyola University and uh, the reason I called him was because when I did a search online for chaplaincy Loyola University was like the first search result that came up for a place that does a master's degree where you can get it specifically for chaplaincy and I remembered my friend David, who is a fellow podcast host, and he, he hosts Things Not Seen, and he also hosts the, the Mr. Rogers podcast that I do, Welcome to the Neighborhood. He kind of co-hosts that with me sometimes. And it occurred to me, well, I'll just call David. He works at Loyola. He could tell me what's up. So I talked with him, and he said, I think we need to pray about this together. He said, it sounds like you're having God speak something to you, 
and maybe you should pursue it. And he told me about how his wife had done chaplaincy. He told me about the good things that he's heard about, you know, the program that they have there. So long story short, I applied at Loyola and thinking I probably won't get in because they're kind of hard to get into Loyola. And I wasn't the, I wasn't a terrible student back when I was in college, but I wasn't the greatest either and I kind of thought my GPA is probably not something they'll accept and I figured I'll try this they'll say no that'll be it I've just been you know crazy you know I don't know <laughs> when you know it I got into Loyola University they I get the acceptance letter and I go oh shoot God <laughs> remind me where are they located because I think of Chicago where did you yep, go Chicago there's, oh, there's, okay. that's where I'm at yep okay. there's a number of there's actually a number of Loyola universities around but right. the, this right. one specifically um, and this is specifically their Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola they call it Loyola IPS and okay um, and are you are you a distant learner or do you travel back and forth yeah distant learner yep yeah. so I do okay. it online okay so we gather kind of like we're doing now over Zoom, uh, but we do it with a class. So we do all the papers and things and reading. And I was so nervous when I started. Like I, I did not want to go back to school. It had been at least 20 years since I was a college student. I was feeling pretty good about, you know, my doing music as a career and doing music pastor on the weekends, things like that. Um, and I was so anxious. I was like in tears before my first class at Loyola. I was sitting in this very room where I'm sitting now thinking, God, you're going to have to help me. I have such anxiety. I don't, and I don't even get anxiety that much, but I was, I was scared. I mean, really scared. Probably sounds silly to some people to think that, but I was. And from my first class, uh, Peter Jones, who is uh, the dean there in that department, and he was my teacher for one of my first classes, he spoke and he said, you know, as we begin, he said, the, the main thing that we're doing here is we want to help you discern what it is that God is doing in your life and where he is taking you, you know, and, so, and he said, I know some of you are here because you don't know even what that is right now, but we're here to help you uh, find that, you know, and he put me so at ease. I mean, he said that to the whole class, but it felt like he was speaking straight to me because I... To quote Rich Mullins, I have quoted Rich Mullins again and again and again with hard to get, with the line that says, I'm lost enough to let myself be led. <laughs> and that's truly how it felt. Uh, it, I just felt completely lost, not knowing where I was going, except I was trying to follow God on this journey. And, and I, I don't mean like lost, bound for hell. I meant just like lost, like Abraham. I don't know where you're sending me, God, but I have right. to go. So um, I did a, a year of classes and they told me I needed to apply for this thing called CPE which I had no idea what it was and so I did and uh, I got into the CPE program which started this summer which means as we talked about clinical pastoral education and as I started the internship program I thought well this will be a rough summer uh, it'll be 10 weeks and I'll lose my entire summer but then I'll, I'll get back and finish my degree at Loyola and then I was told while I was in the summer intensive, um, said they said you really should try out for the residency program because I, I knew I needed you know an, another year at least of CPE to graduate anyway, um, and they told me when I started either you're gonna you're gonna hate this at the end of summer and never want to do it again or it'll be something that you can't get out of your system and you really need to go back and, <laughs> and do more, and I thought I don't know if I can skip you know a year of classes at Loyola because I won't have my degree yet. And they said, well, talk to your 
talk to your school, see what happens. So I talked to my school, and they said, absolutely, if you get in the residency program, it's really hard to get into residency programs. And some of our students finish all their classes, and then they can't get into residency programs to finish their degrees. So, um, so this is part of your schooling, too. So if you get in, take it. So um, I applied, and then I found out last week that I was accepted, and so I'm in the residency program now where I will be working as a chaplain for um, the next year, starting at the end of August. So it'll go August to August. So I, I know I'm talking a ton, but let me get to the to the artist thing. I've been asking that exact question, where do I see myself now? <laughs> because uh, this summer, I mean, I've done one concert, but I pretty much said I can't do any else you know even that was stretching mm -hmm. it for me I had to travel um, but while I was away doing that concert I wrote this song that's coming out as a single now and I didn't expect that was going to happen and then I recorded it at home it all came together and it, and it sounds like it just it, it basically sums up the process of CPE into a song basically is what I feel like and that's what my instructors I, I shared it with the class I wanted to do it as kind of a gift for my fellow classmates and now the instructors have said have asked if they can use it in CPE training courses and things because they feel like it sums up kind of what the mission of CPE is together and I was like oh my goodness what an honor so I know that like Andrews University they're going to be using it and I know some of the CPE programs around in Kansas City and different areas are, have already kind of let me know yeah hey we're going to be using your song and you know so it's a whole uh, other kind of avenue now I'm like I've, I've never thought of having music through the medical community but I've, I've even played the song for like a nurse in my church and she said this reminds me of what I do as a nurse you know I always feel like I'm walking these halls looking for Jesus as I walk through and serve these patients and things so um so I don't know again I still feel a little bit lost in the process like I'm not sure where God's leading uh, but it's at the same time I feel like I'm being born again again you know, like there's something new that is being birthed in my heart that is changing in me. And I don't know where God's taking me, but I'm so grateful for the experience. Well, let's talk a little bit. Of, I'm, I'm curious on the, the convergence of this new thing you're doing with the art. So let's go there first. And then I want to actually, yeah, talk about some of the aspects of chaplaincy and what does it mean? Like that whole difference between religion and spirituality, all that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually fascinated by that. There's, there's a lot of tension in there for me about that. I'd like to explore that with you. Yeah, here's sure. my question. This is a, you know, post-consumer reports. I like to talk about art and faith, right? So like, uh -huh. like, how do they come together? So, so Rick, you didn't actually have time to write that song. <laughs> like you didn't have time. You didn't have time to record it. You know, so like, no. isn't it interesting how art, like I have all these stories that I'm working on and I'm just trying, I'm yeah. always grappling to find time to get to the stories and writing projects and stuff. So, I mean, I guess maybe I'm, I'm partially wondering, like, did you, was it unwise? How do you how do you weigh that in and out? It's like you know you're doing these overnight shifts. You're tired. How, how do you how did you make that decision to be like you know what I've got to record this. I got to get this done. Walk me through that. Okay. Well, honestly, it happened for me. It started on while I was on an overnight shift. I was just finishing up my shift. That's good. And um, I, I I brought a guitar with me to the hospital just to leave there. Uh, a friend had gifted me this guitar a few years ago, and it's not the best guitar, but it's not the worst, but it w was one I felt like I'd be comfortable leaving in a hospital, and I knew some of my fellow chaplains actually played guitar too, and I, and it, it was 
uh, something I thought, well, maybe this would be just a nice outlet, you know, if they have a few down minutes and they need to play some music. So I told everybody, I'm going to leave this guitar here in, in our uh, office. So if any of you need it for a patient or if you just want to play, use it. So at the end of one of my overnight shifts, I think it was my very first overnight shift, actually, um, I just sat down with my guitar, just tired, waiting on my shift to end. I had maybe 30 minutes or something, and, and I was waiting on the other chaplains to get there. And um, I just started kind of strumming out the the bones of what this song would become. You know, just kind of... You know, just kind of a... I don't know how else to describe it. like double stops on a guitar is what I was doing. And I just kind of started thinking, huh, kind of digging, you know, how this is sounding. And I and the song is called As I Walk These Halls. And I just started kind of humming out some music to it. Da, 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 da. You know, and then As I Walk These Halls, you know, I thought that might be kind of a good hook for a chorus. And so I, I recorded on my phone like 15 seconds of just like an idea. And I thought maybe one day when this is all over, I'll go back to it. And then next thing I knew... Um, I went up upstate in Ohio, about, you know, three hours away from where I lived to do this concert that I had already told them I would do. And I got there and, and I was, they put me up in a, a nice little inn and um, I just couldn't get it out of my mind overnight. So <laughs> it was literally uh, up during the night when I should have been sleeping or reading or writing a paper or something. And I was just, I couldn't get the song to stop. And I just started writing down things. Uh, and in, I don't know, in about two hours, which is not characteristic for me, it usually takes a lot longer to write a song. By the time I had about two hours of work on it, I basically had the song written. And I recorded it, and I was trying to record it softly so I wouldn't wake up, because it was kind of a little, almost like bed and breakfast, that there's people in other rooms and down below, and the walls weren't thick you know so, <laughs> yeah rick legion wailing in the middle of the night of the cute little yeah. bread and breakfast <laughs> you need to hear my new song <laughs> that's right that's right Get, getting kicked out of the bed and breakfast for yeah that wasn't yeah, the plan was, yeah so yeah let's no, keep it quiet here <laughs> no it was no it went it went well but i was being as quiet as i could be yeah. when i recorded it <laughs> So yeah, and I and I recorded it and I played it for my wife and I uh, actually shared it with a couple other chaplains. Just this rough demo, and and they were like, "Wow, that that really like kind of sums up <laughs> what we're doing here." And I thought, well, if I have time, I'll I'll try to you know record a little bit of this. And it takes me forever to record stuff. I have a studio in my home here, but um, it just it just takes time, and especially when you're doing it all yourself. Um, and I just started recording it at night whenever I was home and I wasn't doing an overnight after everybody went to bed and I would just spend a little bit of time here, a little bit of time there. Within about a week I had it recorded and, um, and I did, I played all the instruments, sang all the parts, everything except drums because I'm not really a drummer and I had a, a friend record some drums on it. Um, uh, but yeah, it just, it just happened. It was kind of inside of me and I needed to get it out and, uh, it actually, to me, sonically it's like one of the best sounding songs i feel like i've ever recorded and uh and i and the message of it i think hits so well with what i was trying to say but i feel like it could work in in a lot of different contexts so the artist side of me i was again i think just trying to be obedient to what i was hearing because it's not like you just have a lump of clay and then it appears uh, you do have to kind of work at it and, and get it to form 
but for me it felt like another confirmation that what I was doing was the right thing because I've I thought there's been a few times in my life where ministry has happened and I thought do I am I supposed to give up music to do this new thing and it almost felt like a confirmation for me like no you're not you're not supposed to give it up this is supposed to be sort of in addition to and maybe I'm even going to use it in the midst of what you're doing type thing so I, I think we should be careful as artists to go like I'll do this but I won't do that and yeah. I'll, I'll go this far but I won't do this other thing because it could be that we're saying in the midst of what God might be birthing in us we might say to God no I'm not going to do that when God's saying oh no this is going to take you to a whole new place that you've never been with me and with the people around you and so that's kind of my experience so I hope that maybe answers yeah, the question a little bit it is and, and, and I mean my maybe what I'm thinking is is you know, you could have done an acoustic version and that could have been enough, right? That could have sufficed, but yeah. something in you drew, drew, drove you a little bit further and like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. You know, one of the things that I would, maybe one of the ways I would characteristically call your, some, some of your music is kind of like roots rock, maybe a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, some, some of your stuff reminds me a little bit of Tom Petty, but that's, that's mm -hmm. my realm of things. Right. So I don't know sure. what you're, you, you might, I, I interviewed you before, but I can't remember all your other influences, but, but yeah. You, but maybe 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 there's an acoustic demo version of this but you went you went in man you went you went for the yeah. full studio stuff so that's cool yeah. it's just cool yeah. yeah in fact it i kind of thought it was just going to be a little acoustic thing too and then it turned it up it ended up being like almost it's like there's like four different electric guitar parts there's an organ there's bass and, and then i just put a very simple strummed acoustic in the background you could hardly even notice it when it's there and I, I thought what in the world you know which yeah. that's the other part of it that kind of felt almost I'm not going to say miraculous but it was amazing how it came together because when you're working with different guitar tones and things and trying to get it just right it doesn't always it doesn't always go as planned when you go in uh, matter of fact I had spent I don't know months and months working on another song that was pretty much electric guitar kind of rock driven and I still haven't I still haven't gotten it together like the way I want okay. it and I, I would I would never release it in the form it is right now okay. so the fact that the fact that the writing of the song took place over a couple of hours and then within a week I was able to record it and get it mastered and then even have a drummer like th this is another part of it which which was interesting the engineer um, for this project uh, at, at Paraphonic Recordings. Um, his wife was just about to have a baby and it was going to be any day. And he was like, well, if we don't do it right now, like, you know, the baby's going to gonna be here. So it was, that was even kind of a driving factor. Like there's just been no time to do this at all. And yet somehow it got done. So I'm, I'm thanking God for all the help that happened that was, that was not of me. I just felt like there was... Uh, honestly, it felt like divine inter intervention helping things to happen that I I couldn't have orchestrated. So I'm grateful for that. And that's not to that's not to say that I think this song is like a divine gift to the world or something that it's going to change you know whatever. But it, but for me, it was just sort of again confirmation in my life that God was doing something and, and working in me. I think God shows up in those small things. So even if it's just you and me and your podcast listeners <laughs> who hear the song, it's still a confirmation for me that God was working in my life at the moment. Walking through the doorway
lately I've been really immersed in Tolkien a lot. Mm. And one of his big concepts is sub-creation. So mm -hmm. we are put on earth to be sub-creators. And I, I, what I all I mean to say is, is it's it is our job to bring things forth into the world, into the world mm -hmm. to create more beauty, more meaning, to make connections with people. So, I mean, on one hand, yeah, there's that danger of saying I received this from God, and now you have to listen to it or whatever. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a danger to that. But there's the other thing over here, which is like we've been given this holy task, but all of us have, even if it's yeah. just like, even if it's just like, you know what, I built a beautiful home for my family. Well, that's. That's a form of sub-creation, you know? So, yeah. I don't know, like, you know, the, the song, you, you worked at your craft, now it's up to us to, you know, engage with it. So, you, you've yeah. given the gift to the world, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I hope it. I hope it's received as a gift. Yeah, that's 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 a good way go. to put it, though. Yeah, I pre the sub-creators, I love that. And I love Tolkien, yeah. too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I have a quick, I have another quick question about, about the artistic side of your life. Uh, mm -hmm. you've put out a couple of singles since your last album, Thunder, is that mm -hmm. correct? And so, yeah. mm -hmm. and I know it's like, I mean, we're living life, it's tough. And, and so what, what are you thinking on that end in the sense of, are you chipping away at another album eventually? But this next year of your life, you're going to be taken up with, with CPE and chaplaincy. Yeah. And what are you thinking about that? Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking I'll, I'll keep probably releasing music kind of like this, maybe a song at a time rather than an album. Um, and, and partially because I'm finding too, even now when I play concerts where it used to be um, that I would sell like a ton of CDs whenever I would finish a concert. And, and by tons, I don't mean like hundreds or a literal ton. I just mean there would be several, you know, that you would, you would sell and it was worthwhile having CDs, you know, on the table. Um, I found that now I still sell a few, but more often than not, people come up to me and say, this is on Spotify, right? Or this is on iTunes or, you know, Apple. <laughs> and, and I'll go, yeah. And they say, okay, I'll listen to it there, you know, and, and I'm even you, you can really, you can really snarkily say, if you want, you can just give me a dime right now if you want to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, yeah, I have this, I have this, you know, kind of love, hate relationship I know. with streaming services because on the one hand, you know, um, if I just sell an album to you, it's ten dollars. Uh, but if you stream it and keep streaming it, you know, I keep getting you know money perpetually. So I, I might get ten dollars a month for a while. You know, like you things go. like that. So um, I, I have yeah. There, there's this whole other side. The downside of it is like the last album I did, Thunder. Um, I've got all these albums that i haven't sold and partially because of the pandemic and not being able to travel and so they're like all these brand new fresh you know vinyls and cds and they're just gonna probably sit there forever you know like okay. that because because okay. i only sell them when i go out on the road which is less than less uh, occasionally people buy them from the website but almost exclusively people are streaming so i have you know more uh, streaming audience i think i do than than what i actually do in concert anymore so yeah. i think just right now anyway it makes more sense uh and i'm probably having a little bit more fun doing it this way just kind of maybe do a song at a time after the lies you said were true the compromise you waved on through i know you're wishing for something new but the ancient roads are calling you yeah the same old love is crying out to you say Where there is doubt, let us trust. Where there is cursing, let us bless. 
we're almost back in the era again like it used to be when they put out vinyl singles you know back in what was it the 50s or whenever and and there's an a song a side and a b side you know and those are the two songs you initially get until an album comes together so it almost feels like we're in in that age of you know you can just do a single and that's fine people listen to that single and how often do people buy the album for the one song anyway you know (laughs) so um to me it feels a little bit more fresh to to keep putting it out when it's when it's fresh with you and and when you're doing it like this one being able to write it and release it within a month you know is kind of like unheard of if you were doing an album because it takes so much time to get all of it together and so so we'll just see that's probably my plan right now though unless i mean unless someplace like lifeway contacted me again and was like hey we want to do another album and we'll do you know but that's probably not going to happen uh this next year so (laughs) i'll just do it as i have time and see what god opens up in the middle of what i'm doing i guess man that's that's a remarkably good answer i i I mean i mean that to say it's just like the 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 way that artists all of us we have to navigate moment by moment kind of just like okay well you know what's the pathway now type of Mm -hmm. type of uh question so (laughs) all right let's let's talk about chaplaincy by by kind of talking about the song in itself. Uh, now, again, okay. I don't I don't have all the lyrics in my head, but I, but boy, do I get like like your fellow classmates, your people. It's like, hey, this really mm-hmm. defines what we're doing. So, yeah, maybe here's my first question that really is kind of a lead in to the whole religion versus spirituality thing. I loved chaplaincy, but then there was all these elements to me that were unsatisfying, and okay. and it was. It was a kind of exactly where you're going. It's the beauty and also the the tension of like, oh boy, how do I describe this? You go into a room, you see, you try to discern what type of story this person has. Mm-hmm. What are their belief systems uh, or lack of belief systems? And so I, my main job was to let them unfold their lives before me and mm-hmm maybe some of the aspects that I found unsatisfying was like, I couldn't really be a counselor mm-hmm. or I couldn't write them a paper. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't like, like, I guess I, I struggled with it is what I'm trying to tell you is there's kind yeah. of a, 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 an in between nether region of being a chaplain where you, where you don't have a whole lot of control and you kind of just be what people need you to be in the moment. And, yeah. and this does relate to religion and spirituality in that sense, because, I mean, I don't know about you. I grew up evangelical. We're always like witnessing and sharing our faith. And I've, I've let go of that need to do that. But at the same time, mm-hmm. chaplaincy was maybe a little bit too much in the, in the neutral ground for me. How have you okay. done? How have, how have you been wrestling with any of that? For me, it's been freeing. Uh, awesome. I will have to say in many ways, and I, and I want to say it like this. I, I wish I could remember the reference, but there's a, a reference in, I want to say it's First Thessalonians, where it says we no longer have, it says something like if, if a ministry of condemnation was so great, how much more is a ministry of righteousness or how much greater is that? And this idea that chaplaincy is a ministry not of condemnation. Um, it's one where we're coming in uh, to be present to listen and in in some ways we get to seek uh, a Matthew 25 sort of spirituality in that whatever you've done to the least of these you've done it unto me you know and and so when when I walk into the room for me 
the freeing part of it is I'm not walking in to like share the gospel. I'm walking in, first of all, uh, to maybe see Jesus in the room in a way that I would not see Jesus before. And then help that person discern in whatever way they need to discern what it is that's bringing them meaning in that moment. As a person who follows Jesus, um, I, I tend to look at that scripture passage that says, you know, uh, no one comes to the Father except through me when Jesus says that. I tend to look at that less as like a person has to say a prayer in the name of Jesus or else they're not right. I tend to look at that more as Jesus is so transcendent and Christ in who he is is so transcendent and so all around that when a person experiences God because we know that God is love and we believe as Christians that we experience the image of the invisible God in Jesus, that Jesus is so present with us in those moments, whether the person can even name it in that moment, I believe it's Christ who is there offering new life, offering new meaning. And so almost like if we would walk into some tribe far away that's never heard the gospel and you say, can that be someone who receives God? I think yes, because I believe uh, that Jesus is that big, you know, and that holistically. So they may not have language for it at the time. We may not even talk about things that sound spiritual in the moment. But as we start discovering, what is it that brings meaning in your life? Where are you finding meaning? What's helping you right now? As you're, you know, you're facing this, let's, I mean, whatever it is, you've, you've got cancer all through your body. What's bringing you meaning you know, right now. How are you getting through this? Can you tell me more about that? And I think in the middle of that, it's been freeing for me to look for Jesus in those places. And, and, and I had a little bit of a, I had to be confronted a little bit to change my thinking of like, I think I thought at first, I'm going to be Jesus walking into that room. You know, I get to be the presence of God walking in there. And maybe I do sometimes, maybe God uses me that way. But I think more often than not, getting back to that Matthew 25 sheep and the goats thing, I'm there to observe the way that Jesus is present in those suffering people that I encounter, in their families, in the staff, you know. So for me, the freeing part is seeing Christ in places I may not have seen Christ before, you know. And, and now it's like I'm looking for Christ everywhere. You know, Rich Mullins again, everywhere I go, I'm looking, <laughs> you know. Um, so I can understand the frustrating part. I get that, but right now I'm feeling the freedom of it, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like it's so good to know, like, as I walk in this room today, I'm not here to convert this person, I'm here to just kind of be like a person on the boat that's steering the rudder, um, and, and hopefully I'm just a companion on the journey to whatever God's going to do today in, in the midst of this situation, you know, does that make sense at all? Is it making sense? Oh man, it makes total sense. I think maybe... Um, my tension or my juxtaposition has to do with individual gifting. Mm. And for me, it was kind of two factors. And these are two things that I've learned about myself in recent years. I've always known that I'm an introvert and I've known that, but what, what chaplaincy really helped bring home to me is that sometimes conversation after conversation, after conversation, I'm just a bit too depleted. Like, and so yeah. if I'm going to be depleted, then it's not good for me. I can't bring these people what they need, 
right? Yeah. So, so there's that aspect. I'm, I'm curious if you have any reflections on that. My, my other aspect is I, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, so I don't really know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of like pondering this yeah. is sometimes I feel like I have more of a prophetic gifting. Mm-hmm. And so that, that in-betweenness of chaplaincy kind of irritated me as a chaplain even if I didn't want to just come in and convert anybody like that, I, I, I was okay with that. Like, I didn't really feel the need to do that anymore. I, I, I had moved past it, but there's, there's something about the, the prophetic nature where you're, where like, you feel like this, these, these things you need to say. Um, now mm-hmm. I'm not denying that chaplains, chaplains can certainly be prophetic, but it's just a matter mm-hmm. of like discerning through our own giftings is kind of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And so I think mm-hmm. I struggle with that. And so there's a part of me that I was like, I've realized hospital chaplaincy isn't really for me. Uh, mm-hmm. But 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 guess what? I respect all the people I worked with that year because I'm just like yeah. you people are amazing, you know. So <laughs> yeah, no, you know what? And I and I get that because I've always been one that said, you know, like I I, I never see being a senior pastor, you know, like there you that, go, like yeah, something as, like that as exactly. a preacher, like and yeah. I and I it's not that I don't respect it and love it and and appreciate the art, and it's not even that yeah. I don't preach from time to time or that I'm even closed off to it. Like if God did another thing ten years from now and was like senior pastor like you know, like you did with chaplaincy yeah i know that in obedience if that was something i was feeling like i was being called to then i need to do it but for me right now like you're saying um i feel like everybody has different leanings and and every chaplain is a pastor but i don't know that every pastor is a chaplain you know um and that that might be a better way to look at it for me it has been um again it's been life-giving meaning giving and and i've been been finding some new ways to experience god in the people that i'm with and so i i totally understand i'm i'm in with a group of people and this is not a slam against my other chaplains at all matter of fact i admire that some of them know exactly what they want to do and what they don't want to do and some of them are just there because it's credit that they need for their degree you know, uh, and and they've said from the beginning, and they haven't changed their mind. You know, like I'm I'm here because I need three or I need a unit of CPE to graduate. You know, and and I'm here in this course of study, and I need to do this. Um, and yet that doesn't mean they're not great at what they're doing. Like they're there, and they're they're really embracing the experience. But they know, you know, kind kind of like you, it's not something that I think I want to do long term or anything. Uh, and they're going to be actually wonderful in whatever field God leads them to. I know, but it's but for them, they know it's not chaplaincy. You know, uh, for me, I I'm still not. I don't know where God's taken me in all this, but I know that it it didn't feel complete at the end of this summer, and I felt like I need to pursue more where it's going. Um, I think it's going to ultimately end up with me doing chaplaincy beyond this next year and you know the degree that i'm getting i i think i'm gonna end up i mean who knows what aspect i'm finding that there are so many areas of chaplaincy you can be a part of but i never realized the richness that could be there and even the creativity that could be unlocked and even the moments of finding god in new ways i i feel like this is the best ministry i've done in 20 years honestly and and it feels uh, so good and and it doesn't mean it's not hard and I don't remember if I mentioned it like when we started today but this morning started out with the 4 30 a.m my pager went off you know and and I was bleary-eyed and I'm like I don't I can't even think right now I'm so tired and yet there was a family that you know they they just lost a loved one in the ER 
and I mean it was it was shocking it was unexpected and yet I needed to be there for that and then that was quickly followed by another death you know with another group of people and you would think I would come home and be like I never want to go back there again that's this is too taxing it's too tiring and yet for some reason I'm invigorated like it's it's not that I love the death part I really don't but my goodness what an honor to be able to walk with these families in this time and to be that person that gets to be there and the side of me that does want to say like there are those moments when I I do feel like I get to be God's sort of presence in the room and in those moments like sometimes as I look for people in the hospital beds it does work the other way sometimes too where I think I get to be what they need hopefully in that moment and sometimes sometimes it's like this there have been times where a family has no religious leanings at all okay and I've walked in the room and they've lost a loved one and they were so angry I mean I mean ready to like sometimes they probably want to just punch me in the face and and honestly we'd probably both feel better if they did you know <laughs> it'd probably help them and i'd feel like okay at least i did something here um you know but but there are times i think uh, and i've seen this once or twice where i needed to be for them uh, to show them that like god can take it if you need to yell at me and scream at me right now and i need to be god's person in the room for that like let that come at me, you know, in that moment. And and I've seen it at times where that happens initially and that opens them up to be softened later, you know. Because in that moment, I mean, where else can we go in those times of crisis? Sometimes we're scared to let all that fury out at God. And yet if we can be sort of that person that's there even to receive that anger on that end, like I've, I didn't know what to do with that at first. Now I understand like, oh, maybe that's my place here with that I get to help this person do that and and I won't go into tons of details because we're not allowed to do that anyway but I have seen beautiful moments birthed of that in people's lives where they might look back in 10 years and go you know what where that day that was the darkest day of my life where I lost my dad as a child <laughs> I look back now and I see that hospital and the way that they were there and loved me and it wasn't all bad memories, you know. I, I'm looking back and I'm seeing maybe that was the first time I experienced Jesus in my life <laughs> was that day, you know. Ten years back, maybe they're going into the CPE program themselves 20 years from now and they're going, you know what, I'm here today because somebody stepped in and said, I love you and I'm so sorry. Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. Um it's okay but but in the midst of it all like you know god god's working in those places and i i think when we talk about like when we find god in the suffering when he promises he'll be revealed there whew, like it's real we do find jesus in those places or maybe he finds us you know maybe that's the more accurate way of putting it but mm -hmm. sorry i'm getting choked up a bit but it's a, well, it's a good okay. choke up yeah so yeah. You, you know what? Let's, you know, you, you are getting choked up. So like, let's, I, I want to do a little bit of reflection as we, you know, come kind of come in here to close about sure. what this process does for us mm -hmm. when we're going through it. So here's my example. 
I had this moment during my my chaplain residency where there was this conflict. There was a misunderstanding and there was a conflict between myself and some other chaplains. You know, it, it, it created a situation and it had to be resolved. And my CPE instructor, he sat me down at one point and it was it was fine, you know, like it, it wasn't just me being being uh, upset or anything. It was it was a whole thing that we all together needed to deal with. But my instructor, he sat me down and he said, hey, do you think you're an anxious person? Hmm. And I said and, and in my brain, my first reaction is like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and so that was a moment for me. Of, of, a, of a way of like CPE allowed me to see myself and go, oh, I've been anxious the whole time. I've been carrying these things with me, not just during CPE, but when I say the whole time, like my whole life. And it's caused me to do like I am still like it's uh, it's opened up these things about my own life and ministry and just dealing with people like leadership, church leadership, business, whatever it happens to be. Like I, I see the world differently now because every time something happens, I'm thinking like, what is going on internally and why am I reacting the way that I'm reacting? And so it, the, the process hasn't stopped. Right. So I'm still, yeah. it's still happening every time. Like now, when I think about anxiety, I laugh because I go, <laughs> yep, I'm an anxious person. Okay. <laughs> what do I do about it? Like, okay, what, what's my step today regarding me being anxious? And that's just, that's just one sliver, right? You know, anxiety, mm -hmm. but there's other parts too, right? So I'm curious, yeah. what's, give us a glimpse right now of, of how this is shifting you and opening you up. Well, I'm, I'm coming to understand that we all have anxieties um, and it's not like anxiety is not a good or bad thing. It's just something we have, you know, and, and sometimes it's higher than others and sometimes it's lower, but it's always there uh, in some ways. So in, in some ways, like there's a good anxiety about sitting down with a podcast today and like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, we don't know exactly where it's going to take us, but uh, hopefully it's someplace good that, that'll be used. Uh for me, I, th I think if I'm understanding your question, you're kind of asking where I am right now. Um, is that you know? It's of... almost like it's almost like so. Yeah, you're out there doing this ministry, but then there's the mm -hmm. work that's being done on you. Yeah. Uh, like so. So for example, one of my teachers, he he would always talk like he would say I would bring up something about my father, mm -hmm. and he would be like, it "Sounds like your dad's walked into the room with us right now." And so, yeah. am I reading my father onto this patient that I'm with? Right. So I'm yeah. seeing an older yeah. man, and then how does my relationship with my father reflect how I treat this patient? And so, yes. so th those kind of those continual self process that I that, yes. is there something along those lines that? What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. You walk in and you see family members you see friends you see people you know like they they're not literally in the bed but they're there you know <laughs> in the room with you in those times um i think for me it's been you know i'm grateful that i have instructors that have like in, enforced in us like you need to have goals when you're doing this that you're working on so for me like my personal goal is first of all like what do i need to discover what gifts do i have that are not musical necessarily because I've, I've relied on music for so long um i don't want to say a crutch but kind of a crutch you know like i've i've for years labored under this what i think might be a delusion now i, I even say that tentatively 
but the delusion being that I'm probably not good at anything else. Like, I don't have any other gifts, you know, I can't, you know, build a deck for you or paint your house or, you know, I'm like, I mean, I could, but you wouldn't want it, you know, <laughs> like, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a gift to you. Um, but it's, it's forced me, like, for my personal goal to look into, like, what are some actual giftings that, that you have, you know, that, that God's working on you, and, and so I've discovered a few things about myself I didn't know, but then interpersonally, one of my goals has been, you know, to become a more active and present listener, so I find that I've, I've started to listen differently, you know, I've started listening to my family differently. I've started realizing how much I'm not hearing. Um, and for the longest time, you know, how often has my wife said, are you even listening to me right now? And and, and the fact is, you know, I, I needed to be more attentive. And I, I still need to learn how to be more attentive. But then there's a spiritual goal, this educational goal, that that's a theolo theological goal, which is kind of deep in my heart as well as in my brain for me right now has been where is God in the suffering you know where where are we finding God and then I, and I've discovered like suffering isn't just what happens to a person um, like we we have these sources of suffering that like you know if a person has a leg amputated they know the source of their suffering is I've just had a loss but what do we do with the suffering that we don't know what's causing it like there's something in us psychologically things that are things that are hurting like we don't know why we're suffering right now i'm i'm in such despair and i don't understand why i'm in despair today you know there's a suffering that's there uh sometimes it's self-inflicted and things so what i'm discovering is um lots of things about me and things about the world around me you know and and i'm and i'm discovering that in suffering i'm and i'm and i'm starting to uncover things I haven't really thought about before, like, like the other side of sin, you know, like what about, uh, is, I'm reading a book by a friend of mine, Brent Peterson right now, that's about, it's called the other side of the cross. And it's about what about, what does the cross of Jesus have to say, not for those who need their sins forgiven, but for those people who have been sinned against those who have been victims and those who are abused and, it's not enough for me to go to them and say, hey, you need your sins forgiven. Because to them, they're like, man, I just I just got raped. Why do I need my sins forgiven? <laughs> I had, I was sinned against. What is, I mean, the cross may have something to say to my, my abuser, but what's it say to me, the abused, you know, in the midst of all that? So for me, my, my heart and my brain are being unlocked to some uncomfortable places that I'm that are good to deal with, you know, in those things. Like, what does atonement mean for those who have been abused and victimized? But you know, I'm, I'm probably going way off of the no, initial okay. question you know, asked, but it's where my brain and heart are right now. Right, yeah. And again, so I, I think the majority of the cases when we walk into a room with, with a patient is they are kind of the both end, meaning like mm -hmm. they're going to be a little bit of that victim and they're going to be a little bit of that abuser or, you know, what, and I don't really necessarily mean to say abuser, but, you know, they've carried with them their family relationships. And so they're, they're holding a lot in tension. And so the, the chaplain is, is doing this balancing act, right, of, yeah. of being gracious to this person, uh, giving, this, giving them this opportunity to to do a turn or to open up their heart to God, whatever it happens to be, even just to love the love of their family, you know, because you, you find, you find people that are near death and 
they're not reconciled with their families and and mm-hmm. you know it's it, anyway so y- yes to all of that <laughs> yeah. I, yeah i i resound with it I, but i'm also seeing like all right i understand why i'm not doing it um because hmm. sometimes it's, it was a lot for me to carry with me my my wife has had a lot of health issues over the years and and uh, some stuff health issues with our kids and so sometimes depending on where we're at in life we're not always in a good place ourselves to be the care that people need and so that's that's yeah. that's part of been my own self-discernment yeah. yeah yeah for sure what i was gonna say maybe maybe we can kind of close the conversation on yeah. this if it's all right with you um I just want to make the distinction one more time, too, so it's real clear to everybody about, like, the difference between spirituality and religion when we talk yeah. about that. Yeah. they're People think they're the same thing, but they're kind of like distant cousins, you know, in, in some ways. Like, and and to me, and what, I, what I'm learning, and this is something that I learned during this time, is our spirituality, we often think of it as, like, ooh, spirit like you know something almost otherworldly and you, you know like we have to sit and and uh you know shut our eyes and and chant and something you know to get into a spiritual mind frame but what i have discovered is what most people mean by spirituality is it's the place where they find meaning and and the place where where meaning in their life they may not realize it but it's probably a divine place you know it's probably a place that god is speaking to them even if they don't realize it acknowledge it but it's something that for them um really gives them life and meaning and help you know so for some people um you're gonna find like going outside that's why some people say like oh nature is my sanctuary or something for them, it probably is, you know, like if, if that's something that they really find meaning in and something unlocks for them there, um, they're going to go out and be like, that's going to do more for them than an hour in church on Sunday morning. The difference being that for many people, the way that they will kind of um, live out their discipleship or, or their... Um, they'll live out that spirituality is something that they'll find in faith you know so it might be that in christianity they find a lot of real meaning you know behind that and they'll find it in churches but sometimes churches get in the way of our spirituality too sometimes because it's like we come in and say this is about a relationship between you and god and they go oh cool great you know i find god so much in this and then the church goes sometimes well no you're not supposed to find god in that you have to find him in this hymn book and in this you know <laughs> things like that and the other so uh if that makes any sense at all but i i discovered like i had something hit me so hard last week like people find meaning in so many different places and they they may not know what to call it but that's partly our job is sort of like pastors and chaplains and people who kind of help to steer the rudder a little bit of the boat is we might get to steer them into understanding what that thing is to draw them to a deeper place with god so it hit me the other day like why do i find so much meaning in the comic book shop that i go to you know like it hit me and, and why do so many other people find like you know they'll go to the comic book store week after week it's like a religion you know they go and they pick up the new books that are coming through and it didn't hit me until the other day I was in class and we were talking about spirituality and meaning making. And it hit me. And I and I even had to tell my retailer about this, who I'm friends with, at the local comic shop. I said, do you realize the care 
that you're offering to people. Like, you probably don't even realize this is almost like a spiritual practice for people when they come in here because they're grabbing these stories. And, you know, you mentioned Tolkien a little while ago. Um, that's a place a lot of people find very deep meaning, you know. For many Christians, that's like, we see the gospel in that, you know. Uh, even if they don't know how to explain it, at once they see something about it in there. So I, I told my, my local shop owner, who is not a Christian and not a believer, but I said, do you understand, like, the care you're giving and the way that you are actually helping to feed people's spirituality as they walk in this door? Like, and I'm not, and that's not to say that everybody that's writing is spiritual, but the people that are receiving it are receiving something. Maybe these stories about heroes are feeding something in their heart that they need to know about themselves. There's this greater good behind it. Like, why would I, why would I want to self-sacrifice for somebody? What is that saying, you know, about me that I long to read stories about people who are laying down their lives for other, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, so I hope, I hope that kind of makes sense for me. It was like relevatory, like, like, wow, the comic shop could be like, almost this spiritual retreat for many people and they don't know why they're drawn there but if we can kind of point the rudder a little bit it may not be so far off where we go you know why i think you're you're experiencing such meaning in this right now or uh, the in nerd culture or whatever it's because you're being fed something that is deep in your heart you know like that, that you don't even realize you're needing right now but it's there you know and so does, does that make any sense at all I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it makes sense to people listening today it absolutely does and I mean because yeah because I think it's a I think what we want is the both and and here's what I mean by that like mm -hmm. uh in modern culture too much entertainment has become kind of a problem Mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of it's just something we zone out to. And so for mm -hmm. me, the element is, is how, like, like comic books, how do we allow it to be transformative? Mm -hmm. And, and so, so what you're actually doing, and, and this is interesting that you're doing this is you're seeing something that other people wouldn't even see is there. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're kind of asking that extra question. It's like, Hey, did you notice this about comic books? And they're like, yeah. They're like, huh? <laughs> you know, like, but it's it's the beginning of that question, right? And so right. I think that's that's the fun thing to explore. I mean, yeah. another person might say, you know what? I just like to garden. And then yep. they don't they don't see that the spiritual there's like this amazing spiritual element to garden to yeah. gardening. Um yeah. so whatever it happens, even I mean, I, I do not like to work on cars. Like I have no yeah. interest in it. But the challenge would be like, this is actually a beautiful thing, you know, like yeah whatever it might be and I, that's kind of what i see you pointing us to yeah yeah exactly well uh, there was a person the other day i talked to in the hospital just loved fishing and when i started talking about fishing to him he came alive like it was like oh <laughs> I, I, I love it like i can't wait to get out of here and go fish again and do this and take my grandkids and spend time with my best buddies and you know it was just like for him it was that place that he finds meaning and you know if you you don't have to dig too deep with with jesus to understand the connection with fishermen you know <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of right there like literally in print um well that's the but, thing that you you could do that thing that you could be like well you know i you know yeah. <laughs> our lord was a fisherman yeah you, you could really yeah. do that and, but... <laughs> and and there's the temptation to do that but what i'm finding most interesting and to me this is even this is even like reinforcing my faith in ways that i needed was I don't even have to say that sometimes because right. they're they're experiencing something there that God's working on them about, and right. sometimes all I'm doing is is making the suggestion to where they can can find this new meaning and like, huh, 
you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I needed a chaplain today, but I guess I did, you know, and now I'm, you know, maybe, maybe there's something more to this that, that I need to understand. And um, so it's, it's a powerful thing. And it's, I think to me, maybe if I could sum it up, chaplaincy has, is teaching me to trust God enough to not open my mouth and to not make noise and to trust that if we will just show up, that God will do something. You know, like, even if we don't show up, God will, but we get to be a part of watching what God is doing. And that's how truly remarkable it is that God is um, actively in the world and doing things. And I think it's a reminder that each of us kind of know this. Like, we we get it drowned out a lot by all the noise around us, but, but we do kind of, we will find it, you know, if, if we can connect with those parts of us. Um, we can find those spiritual areas that are important and, and that are needed. And I think that God's speaking to us through. So, yeah. But, yeah, but I, you know what? I probably ought to go here pretty soon. I'm, I don't, I don't want to uh, end, end on a weird note today, but this has been a, a rich conversation for me. And you've even helped me to process some things today. And I really appreciate it. So Yeah, yeah you can turn this in for an assignment. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Rick, I, I appreciate your time and just your openness to be able to discuss mm. these things, reflect on them. And thanks for the thanks for the new song. Uh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to put it out there into the world. See well, what thank happens. you for sharing it with your listeners. Yeah. I really appreciate it. We're, you know, I'm not really doing much in the way of marketing for this other than just a little bit on social media and, and good friends like yourself that are generous enough to offer a forum to say, hey, maybe this will be something that you could use. Um, but I, I, that's such a gift, and I really appreciate you giving me that gift by allowing me to share uh, not only the song, but my life. So I hope all your listeners will enjoy As I Walk These Halls, and we'll stream it like a million times, and that would be great. So that'll help me, <laughs> help me cover the expenses of being in school. So There you go. <laughs> oh, thanks, Rick. I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, everyone. Rick Lee James, as I walk these halls. Check out his other songs as well. He has these great singles. I particularly like his recent song, Shine a Light in the Darkness, which you can, I, I, I play an excerpt of uh, during this podcast. So enjoy his songs. Enjoy his older uh, album, Thunder. You know, hey, go buy that on vinyl. From what I gather during this interview, he has some copies of that left on vinyl on CD. Go check that out and uh, listen, listen to them. And uh, as you wait for upcoming post-consumer episodes, I wish you well. Have a great week and happy post-consuming. Thank you for joining me here this week on Voices in My Head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleejames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at rickleejames.com. 
Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.